All of us are on a journey of becoming, a never-ending journey in pursuit of truth and deeper union with the divine. As you know, faith is a complicated thing and this journey of becoming can be both difficult and painful. Far too often, we have not been given a space where we can safely address the complications and issues that arise naturally. My name is Joshua Patterson, and I am also on this journey of becoming. I am dedicated to inviting you into my story and creating a space where questions and critical thinking are welcome. I want to take an honest look at the issues and questions so common to this shared journey. I want to genuinely seek out what it means to follow Jesus in our ever-changing world, in our unfolding and expanding universe, and in our pluralistic society. I have come to know that doubt is not the enemy of faith, but rather that both doubt and curiosity are two of faith's biggest allies. I have learned that the Christian faith is more about wisdom and love than it is about correct doctrine or belief. And I believe that we are being invited to continually seek out both wisdom and love, renewing our minds, expanding our hearts, and rethinking our faith in the process. Thank you for joining me on that journey. Hey friends, I have some good news for you. Rethinking Faith will be back in action once again this year at Theology Beer Camp as the God Pods strike back. This event will be October 19th through the 21st in Springfield, Missouri. And this year, the God Pods are looking amazing. We have friends such as the New Evangelicals, You Have Permission, Homebrewed Christianity, The Bible for Normal People, Crackers and Grape Juice, A Tiny Revolution, Secret Art Project, A People's Theology, Rev Covery, and more. And on top of that, we have some fun Jedi Masters hanging out, bringing craft nerdiness such as John Dominic Carlson, Reggie Williams, Adam Clark, Sarah Lane Ritchie, Myron Penner, Thomas J. Orr, Jay McDaniel, Roberto Shea, Espinoza, Pete Enns, Leah Robertson, Tony Jones, and more. It is going to be a blast. For more information, head over to theologybeer.camp. You can use promo code RethinkingGodPod, all one word, capital letters, Rethinking God Pod for $25 off of your registration fee. Come on and hang out this year at Theology Beer Camp. It was a blast last year. I enjoyed getting to see and meet so many of uh, you listeners, and I look forward to hanging out this year once again. So, again, theologybeer.camp and use promo code Rethinking God Pod. Hope to see you guys there. All right. Well, welcome to another episode of the Rethinking Faith podcast. As always, I'm your host, Josh Patterson. And with me today for the very first time is a friend of mine that I met last year at Theology Beer Camp. And I'm excited to get to hang out with again this year at Theology Beer Camp, which is Grace Jisoon Kim. Grace, how are you doing today? I am doing really well. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Well, I'm not sure if this is the first one because we did one at the Theology Beer Camp last year. So That's that true. Was kind of, yeah. <laughs> I think it was on the atonement theory, etc. So you, but it wasn't one-on-one. I think it was a panel, right? Or I can't remember. Yeah. Maybe it was one-on-one. That, so we did, we did both. We did, we oh, did an okay. atonement panel together uh-huh. with let me see if i can remember it was yourself it was jennifer garcia bashaw and adam clark uh-huh yeah that's and then, right and we did a one-on-one conversation together um in the little chapel and we talked uh-huh. about a wide variety of things oh okay okay so yeah then we did two other ones <laughs> yeah i thought that is true but yeah. i guess maybe maybe i could requalify and say this is the first time that you and i have sat down intentionally specifically to record a conversation (laughs) for rethinking faith uh, that wasn't connected to beer camp although we do Mm -hmm. like to promote beer camp because it's a good time (laughs) (laughs) yeah so anyway thank you again for having me and thank you for doing that at the beer camp too that was quite fun 
Yeah, ab- absolutely. And so, Grace, maybe just for listeners who aren't familiar with yourself or your work, can you just kind of uh, give us an intro into uh, who you are and, and what kind of things you find yourself doing? Okay, so um, I am a professor of theology at Earlham School of Religion. It is a Quaker school. It's a Quaker seminary. There is a Earlham College for the undergrad students, but I teach in the seminary. But I'm not a Quaker. I am a Presbyterian PCUSA ordained uh, minister. So um, I do a lot of preaching. And uh, this past year, I did an interim kind of work in one particular church. You know, Josh, as as you know, so many churches are so small and um, they can't keep a pastor for long. So or, you know, it's just hard to bring a pastor who can work full time. But anyway, this particular church is not really in that situation. It just the presbytery um, is taking their time. So uh, I've been there for a year and I may do some more, but it's been wonderful. And even before I did the interim, I was there uh, many, many times to do pulpit supply. And there are several other Presbyterian churches around where I live that need pastors. So I enjoy doing the pulpit supply. It really keeps me connected to the church because um, you know, you've been a pastor, but if you just do theology all the time and don't stay connected to the, to the church, then sometimes your theology may not be so meaningful for those in the pews. And for me, it's very important for me to connect to the church. So I've been doing this for a long time and I've written many books. So I'm really excited to uh, talk with you today about one of the books that I've written. Yeah, I that that's a great introduction, Grace. Thank you. And I um as you mentioned, well, so actually I was doing some more research too, and I I discovered that you have actually written multiple books on the topic that I wanted to talk to <laughs> <laughs> with yeah. you about. Um uh-huh. the the one that we're gonna talk about today, although it's, it just happened to be the one that I already I had in my possession. Um uh-huh. I was when I, you know, was excited to see you were coming to to beer camp last year. Um, but specifically, I wanted to talk about the Holy Spirit with you. And I know you wrote the the Homebrewed Christianity's Guide to the Holy Spirit. Um, yes. But also, uh, you've written The Holy Spirit, Chi, and the Other, a model of uh-huh. global and intercultural pneumatology, and also uh, Reimagining Spirit, Wind, Breath, and Vibration. <laughs> so it, it <laughs> seems a topic that that maybe is important to you because you've written about it more than once. <laughs> yeah, and I'll probably keep writing about it. Or if the book isn't exactly on the Holy Holy Spirit, it will creep in somewhere. So uh, yeah, but I'm really excited to talk about uh, Homebrewed Christianity's Guide to the Holy Spirit. Um, it's for Trip Fuller's uh, Fortress Press book series. And I forget what year it came out, maybe five or six years ago. So it is part of a series. I think there might be seven or eight in the series. You know, I did the Holy Spirit, Tripp did it on Christology, and there's one on the church, um, maybe salvation, etc. So it covers many of the church doctrines. So I was kind of excited when Tripp invited me. And when he did, I said, I will um, do it on Christology. And he said, Oh, you can't because I'm going to do it. So I said, what? So I was really sad that um, he said he was going to do it. And uh, he said, why don't you do it on the Holy Spirit? And I was really, really hesitant to do it because at the time when he invited me, I was just getting into the Holy Spirit. I had written a book on um, the Grace of Sophia, which is on Christology. And I thought maybe I'll continue on that. Um, I just checked. The book came out 2018. Um, and I was really hesitant, but I am so glad that I wrote this book because it really kind of pushed me to do more on the Holy Spirit. And uh, as you mentioned, I've written the other books, um, She and the Holy, uh, I forget even the titles now, Holy Spirit, She and the Other, and um, uh, what is it, Spirit. Reimagining Spirit. So I've written several ones. Um, Embracing the Other is also one on the Holy Spirit. But I think so so few theologians, and particularly um, liberation theology or Asian American theology, we don't really uh, focus 
focus on the Holy Spirit. So it really, really pushed me to focus on it. And I'm really, really glad that I, I wrote this. And so many people have read the book and that just makes me so happy that people read the books that you write because it takes so long to write it. So even though this book came out 2018, I think I may have started it 2015. And when I finished it, they said, rewrite the whole book. So I had to rewrite the whole book with a new table of contents. <laughs> so, but you know, at the end it all worked out, but I was miserable rewriting the book, but um, they said it really didn't fit in their book series. So that's what happens when you try to write in a book series. But anyway, I'm really happy with the result now. Yeah, I well, I, I enjoyed it, Grace. Um, and I think, yeah, it's fun. The the Homebrew Christianity Guide to, you know, etc. is is a fun series. Uh, but I am I am curious. Well, so I'll, I want to give kind of a qualifier and then I want to ask you a question. My qualifier is this. Um, when it comes to, well, I guess the listeners, but also to myself to some extent, although I, I have kind of more so overcome this uh, in, you know, more recently, there's kind of this tends to be like this lens of skepticism around talking about something like the Holy Spirit, uh, because, you know, you get these, I don't know, you don't, on one hand, there's an extreme where you're like playing with snakes and stuff like that <laughs> when you think of Holy Spirit, or you have this other extreme where it's like, okay, well, the Holy Spirit is not active. It doesn't do anything, blah, 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 blah. So like there's skepticism from a variety of, of places. So I want to keep that in mind with our conversation, but also I want to know how a Presbyterian came to write about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and like, so, so how has your understanding and relationship of the spirit like shifted and kind of changed over time? Yeah, I think um, that's a great question. And those are good things to keep in mind. Um, I was very skeptical too, as a theologian, um, not many of us want to tackle the Holy Spirit and I didn't really want to either. That's why when Tripp invited me, I said, I'll write on Christology because I was already doing research on Christology, but, you know, being pushed to do it, I think it was a really, really good decision for me first, because there's so few of us doing it. Secondly, Presbyterians aren't really into the Holy Spirit so I, it gave me a lot of space and opportunity to try this. And I think it is really um, the area that needs to grow. And without understanding the Holy Spirit, it's really difficult to understand Christianity and understand who God is. So now, you know, with all the skepticism be, um, behind me, for me, um, studying the Holy Spirit, uh, speaking on the Holy Spirit, like this past year, I was invited to speak at the Pentecostal uh, studies, or I forget the exact name, the study for Pentecostal studies um, conference to be their major speaker. And I, I was really intimidated because Pentecostals and other churches like the holiness tradition, um, maybe the Baptists, they really focus a lot more on the Holy Spirit than mainline and me as a Presbyterian. So I was really intimidated to speak there. And looking back, I wish I pushed it a bit further of what I was trying to do, but I was so intimidated that I, I kept myself back. But, you know, studying the Holy Spirit, you recognize you get this really big holistic understanding of who God is. And so rather than looking at through the small people of Christology and who Jesus is, um, studying the spirit and and examining Christianity and trying to get a deeper understanding of who God is, studying it from pneumatology has been so exciting and so eye-opening for me because it's not looking through a small people, but looking through this big, gigantic doorway to try to get a better glimpse of Christianity better glimpse of who God is. So for me, um, it's been a wonderful journey. And writing this book has been so helpful for me as I continue to study. And it has helped me to write the other books, Reimagining Spirit, uh, Embracing the Other, etc. Yeah, I, 
for me, my kind of experience was like I so I grew up like started out in a Methodist church. So like, you know, we talked about Pentecost and stuff, but other than that, like not too much. Right. And then we went to the the Southern Baptist Church and I don't really remember too much explicit talk about spirit there. But I did kind of encounter this like uh, a group of like super Pentecostal people. Right. In like late high school, early college. And I kind of experimented with some of that kind of like um, I don't want to, excessive is not the word I want to use because that seems um, like I'm trying to be dismissive. But like, I don't know. They're Pentecostals. You get it. <laughs> kind of yeah, uh-huh. more uh, enthusiastic with with spirit. And it it shift. It came to me to a point where I was like, okay, well, I can't like I'm not down with any of that anymore. I don't know what's going on. And I've arrived um, today at kind of like you're talking about, like a more holistic way of understanding uh, the spirit. And I, I kind of see it more fitting into like the natural world, right? Like one might say of like a more naturalistic um, theology and understanding of spirit. Um, but one, all that to say, one thing that you did in the kind of the beginning of the book is you kind of offer um, a slight critique and you're like, look, white dudes, You've said a lot of stuff, but you're not the only ones who do theology. <laughs> and you yeah. said there are different conceptions, uh, different ways of talking about spirit and different cultures. And so I was wondering if uh, maybe we could talk about a few of those. Yeah, sure. And, you know, when you're talking about Pentecostal uh, experience, Pentecostalism, I actually, and I wrote in the book too, I, you know, grow, grew up in the Presbyterian church, but my parents um, took us to so many Pentecostal revival services. And these are like weekend services. So I, I grew up in London, Ontario, which is a small city, two hours from Toronto. So we would either drive two hours to Toronto or two hours the other way to Detroit to attend these Pentecostal revival services. So, um, you know, I was just a little girl. I had no idea what was happening because it was only like parents who went in. And we as children just were in the basement of the church or in the fellowship hall. And we just played for like three, four hours. And it was a lot of fun. But once in a while, I would peep in to see what was happening. And these were like the traditional kind of Pentecostal where, um, you know, they were calling on the spirit and, you know, hand raising. That's part of the uh, subtitle. And that one, I think Tripp told me to put in. Uh, and, you know, people falling down and speaking in tongues. So I did have a lot of exposure to that. And um, so that was part of my upbringing. And to your question about, you know, it's not just white people who do theology. I think it's really, really important to uh, make note that God is this infinite God. And we as finite human beings cannot ever understand the fullness of God. So we need everyone at the table. We need women. You know, women weren't at the table for the last 2000 years, basically. So we need women at the table. We need Asian Americans. We need African Americans. We need uh, Latinx, uh, Native Americans. We need everybody. Um, Those of diverse socioeconomic background, ableism, identities, sexual identity, etc. We need everybody because the more voices that we bring to the table, the better off and the more deeper conversation and understanding we will have of God and of the Holy Spirit. So you mentioned about me as an Asian American theologian. There is so much within my own kind of cultural and historical and religious background that can really help and uh, deepen this conversation on the Holy Spirit. So I bring in, um, you know, I I end the book with, um, there's something else to consider. That was a ti- uh, the title of the chapter. And the colon is the spirit as chi. So I really uh, bring in this concept of chi into this book. And that's, you know, where I end, uh, you know, I kind of end the book there so that my next books, I <laughs> continue on the conversation on chi. But chi is um, this Asian concept, which is so important in an everyday kind of conversation. And it 
basically is translated as energy, wind, breath, spirit, which is exactly what Ruha is in the Old Testament and Numa is in the New Testament. So it is something that the Israelites kind of uh, grappled and, and used to talk about the spirit of God and spirit. And in the New Testament with Jesus, um, the, the topic of Numa continues on. So different cultures have different words. And in the English language, we say spirit, which is wind, breath, energy, um, uh, and spirit. And in different languages, when Ger when theology was so big in Germany and in Europe, German theologians used the word Geist. So I find that it's important to use my own uh, concept and languages because, you know, Geist has a different dimension. Ruha has a different dimension, Numa, and then so does Chi. So I bring that into the book, and I think it's been helpful for many non-Asian Americans, too, for white people like yourself. So thank you so much for asking me that one. Yeah, absolutely. I I love the idea of of, of referring to spirit as, as Chi, even uh, because it connects with... Um, so I have some family members who are not necessarily Christian, um, but they are definitely spiritual. And they practice, uh, they're, they're not Asian, but they practice uh, Qigong. Uh -huh. And so they talk about Qi a lot. Uh -huh. And so having this kind of concept of Qi, you know, has been helpful because then I can have conversations with them that are not threatening because yes. I can kind of use the same language that they're uh -huh. using and, and see how we're, we're talking about similar concepts, even though, you know, maybe I might be thinking of something a little bit different, maybe not, I don't know. Um, yeah. But I, I I think that's really cool. Um, yeah. And so I, I love bringing that to the table. Well, the, why I actually focused on the Holy Spirit rather than Christology uh, was exactly that issue that um, you can talk to people of other faith, other cultural traditions. If you, if you focus on Christology, it's very difficult to talk about religion, etc., or Christianity. But if you focus on pneumatology, it's such an easy entryway to do this interfaith dialogue or with those who don't have any interest in Christianity. Because this concept of spirit is found in all all the major world religions, they may have a different word for it. And um, the Indians call it prana or pana. So they're, you know, Africans have another word. And sometimes they actually use a similar word like chi within their own understanding of the spirit. Because, you know, Africans have always said they've had the spirit before white missionaries brought the spirit to Africa. And in Australia, South America, all over people understand this understanding of spirit. So it's a very easy entryway to have dialogue and discourse that's non-confrontational, non-threatening, because the understanding of spirit is global. Because even when we think about the Old Testament, you know, when, when God is saying the spirit hovering over the earth, the spirit hovers over the earth. In Joel 2.28, it says, I will pour my spirit upon all people. It's not just to the to the men or to the Israelites, but it's to all people. So we know that the presence of the spirit is global all over, not just the earth, but all of God's creation beyond our earth-centric point of view. So now going back to your relatives who, who practice Qigong, that's so exciting and so interesting. So those who are listening who has never heard of the word chi, you probably heard it um, like tai chi or reiki and qigong. And um, if you practice taekwondo, taekwondo masters will talk about chi. So chi is this Asian concept that is um, in these spiritual exercises because um, when you're talking about chi, it's really talking about the spirit within you. So qigong is like trying to move the chi in a harmonious way within your body. Because when the chi doesn't move in the proper way, that's when you have uh, physical ailments and diseases, etc. That's why 
you then visit acupuncturists and they will, you know, put acupuncture in your body, the needles to help move the chi in the correct way. So people listening right now may be all skeptical, but Chinese medicine has been around thousands of years, way before Western medicine. And so these Chinese medicine people have been able to map out um, the flow of chi in the body way before uh, Western medicine was able to map out the blood flow where your blood uh, vessels are. So this chi, the chi flow in your body is so important. And when we're thinking about when I mentioned about chi as energy, vibration, um, spirit, breath, and wind, chi is everywhere. It's in our bodies. It's in God's creation and all things. It is what gives us life. That's why when when we're alive, our bodies are warm because chi is within our bodies. And we will say when we die, the chi leaves our bodies, and that's why it's so cold. Our bodies are all cold. So when we when I bring this into the uh, you know into pneumatology into the realm of Christian uh, understanding the Holy Spirit, it's a very helpful term because in the past. And when we're doing pneumatology, when Christian theologians were studying the Holy Spirit, it was a very philosophical concept. It was something out there like a pie in the sky. That's what was so difficult for us to study the Holy Spirit. And, you know, some theologians will say it's like the stepsister uh, of you know, it within within uh, theology because we don't want to study it. We just kind of push it aside because if you're thinking the uh, kind of in a philosophical term, then we think of the spirit as something out there, and that's why in many of our Christian liturg liturgy and in our Christian hymns, we will continue to say, "Come, Spirit, come." But the spirit is already within us. The spirit is here. We don't have to ask the spirit to come. The spirit is already within us. It is what gives us life. It is what gives us energy. It is the light, the breath, and the energy that is within us. So I think studying it uh, and, and focusing on chi really helps us to get this embodied sense of the spirit that God is actually within us. God is not somewhere out there, but God is already within us, working within us and giving us this life and energy. Mm. Yes, I love it. <laughs> I love Thank it you. so good, Chris. <laughs> it, it reminds me of uh, like a kind of a, a, a qualm that I have, so to speak, um, with some like, you know, brothers and sisters within that consider themselves more like... Um, like classical uh, theist where they have, you know, the Omni God and all these Omnis and the <laughs> one that they'll say, but like, don't actually really think about is the idea that God is omnipresent, that God is everywhere in and through all things. And I'm like, yes, that's my favorite one. That's the best <laughs> one. But that one always gets kind of, you know, pushed away because we want to talk about God as all powerful and all knowing and like put God out there. Like you're saying, um, but yeah, to your point, I love the idea of she uh, has this embodied understanding of the spirit because all I know how to do is be embodied that I am a person who is embodied. And so yeah. it's uh -huh. helpful to have a concept in it and an idea that kind of gives uh, words to my experience. And so, but I also think to your point, it helps because if I were to go to the beach, for example, which is somewhere where I feel most connected to the divine, uh, there's oh. something about the ocean, right? Um, and I were to talk to other people there who also say they feel some kind of connection. And I was like, well, that's the Holy Spirit in you. They might think I'm crazy or weird. But if I say, oh, no, there is uh, there's something about the energy here at the ocean, right? Or there's something about maybe... Um, spirit or transcendence about the ocean that seems less threatening and yeah. we can talk with people who like you were saying if we truly believe god is omnipresent and in and through all things then it only makes sense to kind of have yeah. this connection point um and so i don't know i, I absolutely love that that's like 
when you start talking that way, you're speaking my language. Okay, that's <laughs> and you're, good. You're, you're touching the uh, the wannabe mystic aspect <laughs> of Josh. <laughs> well, thank you. That's good. I think we are all mystics in some way, and we're all spiritual. So I like uh, you know the you know the energy, and you know this chi energy that we want to share with each other too. When someone is low in energy or someone is down, down in spirit, you know we want to share this energy. We want to share this spirit. And we may be able to do it ourselves or for you who who seek the ocean where you get the good energy, the good vibe, then that's where people can go. So this energy, this vibration, you know, I had the I begin the book with um, creation vibrates, you know, all everything is vibrating and we feel the presence of God through this vibration. I think once we recognize that, then we won't be so scared about this. But that fact that every living thing, you know, the cells are all vibrating. And when we see God creating the world, um, you know, in the Genesis passages, God is creating through the word. Word is vibration. Light is vibration. All these things are vibrating. And we recognize, you know, in, in the, in, in, in our culture, popular culture we talk about or there's a song you know good vibration you know and we want to say oh please send good vibration i love pope francis and one time he was asked on a plane by the reporters you know what are you doing and he says please send me good vibes today good vibration you know those are all connected to the spirit we need the energy we need the good vibrations we need that from each other and from creation wherever we can get it and that is really talking about the spirit that dwells within us, that gives us renewed energy, because we're not always strong, we're not always, um, you know, in high energy, but we need it sometimes. And we ask for that through friends, you know, through acquaintances. Um, we ask for that in prayer, too. So I think, you know, this all, you know, it's a very holistic view of Christianity or understanding of who God is. Sometimes we want to be so exclusive. We want to be so, uh, you know, it's so narrow in our in our outlook, you know, of of who God is and of who the Spirit is. But I think once we open our hearts and our minds to this, it really then helps us to get this better understanding of Christianity, of God, of theology, of the spirit. And it just, I think it's so helpful rather than being so scared about this new ways of speaking about it or new vocabulary or new cultures that we bring in. White theologians did it all for the 2000 years. So it's time that maybe they be quiet and let let the rest of us speak. <laughs> Speak no, I, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a point well taken. Often I've I've thought about it when I kind of think about um what you're saying. A, a image that comes helpful to me is like um that of a mosaic. Mm -hmm. So when I think of like the body of Christ, right, as you know, in Christian language, uh I think of that as like a mosaic. And when you zoom out from a mosaic, you get to see yeah. the big beautiful picture. Yeah. But when you zoom in, you see that each piece of the mosaic is its own unique beautiful piece and if you were to take one of those pieces out then the mosaic is no longer complete and so uh when i think about what you're saying you know in regard to like only white people only white specifically white cisgender males doing <laughs> theology all the time which i myself happen to be one uh like part of the mosaic is then missing actually a whole fucking lot of the mosaic is missing <laughs> if it's just just the piece that represents uh people who look like me so i i really appreciate um that aspect uh in things and i i can you know looking back in my own faith journey that and i've i've said this on the podcast before that was one of the major shifts for me when i stood looking at my bookshelves and recognized like oh all of these books were written by white educated males uh there's there's some other people that probably have something to say <laughs> oh okay well that's good yeah. because you know what not many people come to that recognition re revelation or recognition that you know that they've only been reading white male theologians yeah so thank you for pointing that out
Yeah, and I, so one of one of the other terms aside from chi that you use that has been helpful to me um, in thinking about spirit is breath. Um, it might actually be one of my favorite um, ways of speaking because our breath is something that's so intimate to us, right? And yeah. the idea that God is is closer to us than we are to our breath is mm-hmm. um, so beautiful. And as as you point out uh, within the book, you know, you have the the Hebrew word uh, like ruach, where you know it's God's ruach, God's breath that kind of animates all things. Um, in the Genesis narrative, when when God you know forms a uh, human out of the dust and breathes the ruach into the you know, and that's what animates it. And so what's cool about that is this ruach, this breath, is the animating thing tying all of life together, not just Christians, not just white people, <laughs> not just males, yeah. uh-huh. but it's 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 a thing that we all share in common. And yeah. um so that that's another really beautiful uh kind of image um yeah. that I like uh-huh. as well. And- yeah. Yeah, so a lot of people actually focus on breath, uh, you know, in when we're doing meditation, you know, um, the Buddhists have focused on breathing technique, and the Catholics um, borrow that the breathing technique, really focusing on the inhaling and the exhaling. You know, we do that to calm ourselves down. This breath is so important. We're only alive if we breathe. And so when a baby is born, and they're not crying you know we get to whack them or do something because once they cry then we know they're breathing this breath of god it's it is this uh life-giving spirit and in different cultures like you know i've been to hawaii and hawaii they greet you by saying aloha aloha in the native hawaiian means we're sharing the breath of god with you that is their greeting i th- i just find that so so refreshing so beautiful that when you are greeting one another you are sharing the breath of god with one another and if we can actually focus uh you know our christian life that way that we are sharing the breath of god with one another i think we would treat each other with holiness uh, with reverence, uh, accepting those who are so different from us, the refugees, the immigrants, the stranger, you know, instead of being so afraid, you know, for Asian Americans, the term that we associate a lot of our identity with is xenophobia. The white Americans are so xenophobic against Asian Americans. They're so afraid. You know, the big example would be we just, you know, getting over the pandemic during COVID everybody was afraid of us oh you brought the disease you know you're all uh full of disease and this is not the first time in the early 1900s too when the pandemic hit the u.s they also blamed the asian americans at that time too so this xenophobia afraid of the stranger afraid of those who are so different from you you know we shouldn't be doing that once we recognize that we when we greet one another we are sharing the breath of god with one another God is within us. The spirit is within us. Chi is in all living things. Once we recognize the breath, the chi, the energy, the vibration within us, then we are able to then turn to the neighbor and love. That was the commandment to love God and then to love our neighbor. And so, you know, I think, you know, when you're talking about the mosaic, etc., I think Christianity, we always kind of lived our faith with this really small narrow people and we got to really open ourselves up open this big gateway this big doorway and see and use this big lens to understand christianity and if we do that then we will not go on this road of destruction of hating and and going into war and engaging in you know all this exclusivity and you know, you're not one of us kind of added to this Christian nationalism, etc. Because many Christians are headed towards this road of destruction, this, you know, we're already headed in climate crisis. So, you know, I just think we really need to kind of open ourselves up, open ourselves to the breath of God, to, um, to Chi. And I think we can really change this world for the better. 
big time. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm all here for that. And I uh I have a few thoughts that came to mind. One of them, uh, just as you were talking about the xenophobia and the pandemic, uh, my best friend, um, Brandon, he was like the best man in my wedding and such. Uh, Brandon is Korean, and during the pandemic, somebody called him a Chinese N-word and told him to go back to where he came from. And Brandon was like, I don't even know what that means. And also I'm not Chinese, (laughs) but like, just to go to your point, like that was happening. Like people tend to have like this proximity bias and they're like, Oh, if it's not happening around me, it must not be true. But like, I don't know. I remember when Brandon came home and told me that. And like, the only thing we could do is laugh together because we're like, that's insane. But also to that point as well, uh, Brandon often kind of talks about being like the accepted minority uh, as like an Asian um, American. So he's uh, first generation American, uh, Asian American. Um, His his parents moved here from uh, from Korea. Uh, And like so that's we've had plenty of interesting conversations about that. And um, one funny thing that we like to joke about is. uh, my the best man in my father's wedding, uh, Uncle Jin, as a Korean, and so I had a Korean best man. And now we say that uh, Noelle and I's uh, son <laughs> or daughter have to have a Korean oh, <laughs> best wow, man. That's, or, so... yeah. that's amazing. Like I think Brandon, you're an honorary... our kids have to be friends. <laughs> yeah. You're an honorary Korean now, but oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So thanks for sharing that and your friend's story. You know that. he's just one out of so many that have been reported and unreported too. During the pandemic, uh, one of my friends, Dr. Russell Jung, started uh, Stop AAPI Hate. He's a sociologist and he, it was a website where you can report and the report of hate crimes just spiked during the pandemic. And you've seen some on the news and some that never made the news. Women, particularly elderly women, being attacked just for walking down the street. Many were stabbed. Many were murdered. Many were pushed on the subway tracks. Some were followed and murdered into in their apartment building. So, you know, this being afraid of the stranger, afraid of those who look so different from you, from you, just kind of escalated during the pandemic. And we were on the brunt of this whole thing. And Trump, you know, he just pushed buttons to kind of even promote hatred towards us. So it is really difficult. And I think if we recognize that we are all children of God, that the spirit resides in all of us, why would we do that to other people? Why would we do that to Muslims or to Buddhists or to Hindus? You know, why would we do that? It just makes no sense. So I'm just really hoping that, you know, the listeners, and I'll be sharing this podcast once it's out too, that people will recognize that if we understand that the chi resides in all of us, that the spirit is within us, then there is really no room for hatred. All we can do is treat one another with love and respect and be in solidarity so that if things like that happen to other groups of people, that we would stand up for each other and stand up for love and just fight against hatred. Yeah, amen to that. I'll uh <laughs> I want to share one one thought and I have one more question for you and we'll we'll wrap wrap things up because I'm already pushing you longer than I said I would. But uh when you're when you're speaking it it just reminds me um often the, the kind of way I've been framing this idea of sin that's been helpful to me is that um, sin arises when we buy into the illusion of separateness, when we believe we are separate from one another, from God, from creation, and from ourselves, sin kind of arises out of that. And so I love how you're talking because if we, we recognize that the same breath, the same chi, the same energy, the same force is animating you and it's animating me and it's animating creation uh, then that starts to break down this illusion of separateness. And we yes. can then recognize that when Jesus was saying like, yeah, what you do unto the least of these you've done to me isn't just metaphorical, like he's being serious. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> the, the interconnection yeah. is real. 
And so uh-huh. I I love the image of breath. I haven't I haven't thought about breath in that in that way in the kind of um uh interconnectedness way that that you're speaking and it's it's really beautiful. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and so you. the the I guess kind of the final question I want to ask just um I know within um like Korean uh theology but just in Korean culture as a whole uh, there's this word and concept Han. Mm-hmm. And so I was curious if you could just f- explain what Han is and then okay. maybe explain how that ties into this conversation of the spirit. And I thought that might be a nice way to kind of wrap up our conversation today. Okay, great. And yeah. um, Han is on the subtitle of this book, um, you know, Holy Spirit, uh, Homebrew Christianity's Guide to the Holy Spirit. So um, you know, Han is a very, so the subtitle is Hand Raisers, Han, and the Holy Ghost. I think Han, uh, it's a Korean concept, and so many Korean American theologians are now using it within our theological uh, exploration. Han means um, unjust suffering. So I think, you know, people suffer every day, but when there are systems that are set up to cause suffering, systems like racism and sexism, um, that are set up, then that is unjust suffering. So it's this emotional kind of ripping of the heart, the piercing of the heart. Uh, when a girl or a woman is raped, that is because of this unjust system, which allows rape to happen in so many cultures. And the rapists are not penalized in so many cultures around the globe. So there is this feeling of Han this unjust suffering that you kind of carry around and it really uh, kind of puts down a huge weight on your body. So as Christians, we talk about lifting one's Han up. So getting rid of the Han. But this concept of Han really helps us to focus on, you know, earlier you mentioned about sin and the separateness. The, you know, as Christians, we focus on the separation from us with God. So there's a vertical separation, but we tend not to focus so much against the, um, the focus between each other, the horizontal relationship. But what Han does is it really helps us to look at the other side of sin rather than focusing about the sin between me and God. Okay. I didn't, you know, I did all these sins against God. Han makes us focus on our sin against the other, against our neighbor, against our brothers and sisters, against our parents or our siblings, our children. And so it's this horizontal relationship that it really, really helps us focus on. And I think that is something that we need to focus more when we're doing pneumatology, when we're doing theology, when we're being a Christian, because it is how we treat our neighbor, because that was a commandment to love our neighbor. And we don't do that. We go, oh, I love God. And that's it. Focusing on God, uh, my own spirituality, you know, me, me, me and God. But Han really helps us to look at the horizontal relationship, the community. Asians, um, we focus more on community than the individual. So that's what Han does. And Han here really helps us to recognize that we, in many ways, oppress other people. We oppress nature, which is God's creation. So we really want to say, hey, the spirit of God is in creation. The spirit of God is in our neighbor. Let us stop causing so much harm to our neighbor and to God's creation. So that was kind of like the focal point in this book too, that Han really helps us to understand there is systemic racism, systemic um, uh, sexism, and what are we going to do about it? Because if God, the spirit of God is in everyone, we cannot continue to be racist. We cannot continue to be sexist or be homophobic, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, Grace, thank you so much uh, for sharing that. I know uh, the concept of Han, when I first discovered it, was was so helpful for me. Um, I think Andrew Sung Park, if I'm getting the name correct, uh, mm-hmm. is the kind of the first um, individual that I read who... Uh, wrote about Han and um in like in 
like atonement and uh, the Trinity, these kind of things is, is really cool. Um, yeah. And I, I appreciate it. So thank you for, for sharing that. Um, and yeah. And also just in general, thanks for, for hanging out today. I had a, <laughs> I had a lot of fun. Um, well, I had a lot of fun too. <laughs> yeah. The time went by so fast. So uh, fast. I just, I can't believe it, but you know, I love talking about any of my books. So thank you so much for inviting me to talk about homebrew Christianity's guide to the Holy spirit. And I'm sure this will come out before the theology beer camp. So I hope many listeners will come to the theology beer camp. Yeah. And yeah, meet I us so there. Yeah. And come <laughs> hang out, come hang out and talk yeah. about uh, spirit and she and Han. It'll be a good yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, so great thank stuff. you so much, Josh, for having me. And thank you so much for the work you do because your podcast is so important to rethink all of the things that have been given to us to reimagine and rethink and, and reorganize our thoughts, I think are so helpful. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Grace, th- thank you. And um, I will be sure to link uh, not only this book, but also like your author page and, and things like that in the show notes. Um, and also you have a new book coming out soon that, you know, I can throw, you know, a, a link as well. It's called Surviving God, A New Vision of yeah, God yeah, Through yeah. the Eyes mm-hmm. of Sexual Abuse Survivors, um, mm-hmm. which if I didn't scare you away, I would love to have you back to talk about that once the... Uh, oh, yeah, please. Anytime. <laughs> I actually had a new book come out just a few weeks ago. It's called um, Christianity in North America. It's oh, a big yeah, yeah, volume. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not that exciting. But anyway, yeah, you can invite me for any book that has been out or upcoming. So thank you so much. It's a joy to talk with you. And I can't wait to see you again in person. I'm excited to see you again as well, Grace. Uh, So thank you. And listeners, as always, thank you so much for hanging out. Uh, Come to beer camp, hang out in person. Um, But until then, go in peace, friends.